what a what a privilege it always is for us to come gather together and dig into the Word of God. And that's something we don't ever want to forget how blessed we are that we're able to sit down and break bread with the living Word of the Lord. Amen? And um, I've shown you the video in times past, but uh, it's been a while. I know it's probably been a few years actually now that I think about it, but I showed you a video of some people, I can't even remember what country it was, but they had never had the Bible in their language before. And there was an airplane that flew in. Y'all, anybody remember that? Airplane that flew in, and those people had gathered at the runway as this plane came in. They were so excited to have the Word of God. It was finally going to be in their language. They would be able to understand it. And um, I hope that we never lose our fascination with and our hunger for God's Word. Amen? Amen. Last Wednesday night, I was teaching, and um, as I was teaching, the Lord really began dealing with me about, about servanthood. And so we, we, uh, we kind of finished on that note, and it was, it was a, I felt like it was a very powerful service last Wednesday night. And so I would ask that if you weren't here for that, you would please make it a point to go listen to that. Um, on podcast or website, so that you can be on you can be on the same page with uh, what the rest of the church is on. Uh, we need to be servants, amen. And so, in that vein, I just felt very led to continue in that and to just delve a little bit deeper into what a servant is. And so, tonight, I am teaching on the subject: the spirit. Of a servant. Everybody say the spirit, spirit. of a servant. The spirit of a servant. Um, let me read a verse of scripture to you. In Mark chapter 10, verse number 45, the Bible says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. The Lord said, I didn't come for you to minister to me, but I came to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I think that's a powerful verse, and I think that's a verse of Scripture that should, that should probably convict us. When we begin to read it, we should look at it and say, how does my life match up with his life? Because we are told that we are to allow Christ to be formed in us, right? So if Christ is being formed in me, That's more than where I go and what I do and what I wear. It's more than all those things. But Christ being formed in me is what I think. Christ being formed in me is how I respond. Christ being formed in me is making certain that I am am, uh, passionate about the things that He is passionate about. And so if the Lord had a passion for people not to minister to him, but for for him to be able to minister to them, and then to turn around knowing that many of those people would not be appreciative of what it was he had done for them, to turn around and give his life a ransom for those people. If that is what our Lord did, how much more should we try to emulate that and make sure that we are embodying that as the bride of Christ. Amen? So it should convict us if we're not serving, if we're not a servant. 
if we are only being ministered to, but we are not ministering unto, that should bother us. Am I in the book? All right. If we are only receiving, but we are never giving, that should bother us. And, and I know that, that we're a people who, who love the Word of God, and, and I love that about this church. I, I really do. I love teaching and preaching in this church because you enjoy receiving the Word of the Lord. And, and I thank God for that. I've been some places that I didn't even know why I was up there preaching or teaching. It's the truth. Because you could, you could feel that there was not very much receptivity. Did I say that word correct? Reception. Somebody ought to Google it. I think receptivity might be a word too. But reception is probably the better word. I could, I could sense, and we got them doing it right now. <laughs> this is an ongoing thing with my wife and I because I'll, when somebody tells me something's not a word, I'm almost certain it is. I was right. Good job. Woo, I nailed it. <laughs> I'm on fire. All right, back, back to the Ponderosa. And some of y'all have no clue what that means. <laughs> um, let, let me go back where I need to be. Help me, Lord. So I've been places where the reception or the receptivity was not great. And I, I'm making everybody happy there. And, and there, was, there was just no hunger for the word of God. Let me just tell you something about our hunger for the word of God. It must be cultivated. It must be cultivated. Um, it seems like people who don't pray don't want to pray. But people who do pray want to pray. People who don't study the word of God have no desire for it. But as people begin to study the word of God, they begin to have a greater desire for it. And so uh, we, we need to make sure that, that we are hungry for the Word of God. And so I appreciate in this church your hunger for the Word of God. That said, I also want to make sure that we don't become a spiritually obese church. Can you all amen me right there? Because I am right. I don't, I, I don't want to be a church that only receives but never gives. As one of our great statesmen of Pentecost once said, one of the worst things that can happen to a church is for that church to become ingrown. He said it's a, it's a deformation when a church becomes ingrown. And so if all I care about when I come to the house of God is what is in it for me in that service, then I've got the wrong idea. If all I care about is what's in it for me in that service then I have, I have put all of the pressure on everybody else, and I have basically said, you are all here to serve me. If you go to a restaurant to eat, you expect for those people to serve you. When we come to the house of God, we do not come with an expectation for everybody else to serve us. 
we should come with an expectation that we have been called to that place at that time to be a servant as well. Do we need the Word of God? You better believe it. You know how strong I am on that. Do we need fellowship? You better believe it. Do we need to engage in the worship and all of those things? The singing is that you better believe it. But if I just came to see if the song was going to minister to me or if the sermon was going to minister to me, but had no intention of myself getting involved in ministering, I've missed it by a million miles. And I'm going to tell you something. There are, the Bible said at one point there are some things that at one time, talking about Israel and, and, and their ignorance, that God winked at it. He said, but now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. There are some things that God will wink at for a time in our walk with him as we are young or immature in our walk with him. There are some things that God will give us a, a little bit of grace on. But there does come a time when the Lord says, okay, now it's time for you to step up. Now it's time for you to step up. So uh, that's why there were times when you were younger, perhaps. I can remember when I would go to a service and, and, and all I wanted in those services was what God had for me. I remember going to youth camps and, and, and being excited about what God was going to have for me. And then I remember getting a little bit older, and I would go to some of those same meetings. And I would get a little something, but it didn't seem to be near as much as it used to be. And for a time, I struggled with that, thinking something's wrong with me. I'm going to tell you what, there was something wrong with me, but I'm going to tell you what it was. I had the wrong attitude in how I was approaching the service. For the people that are in this room tonight... You're people who, who consistently attend. You're a part of the church. We need to make sure our attitude and how we approach a service is in line with the mind of Christ. Help me, Lord, to not become a selfish saint. But help me, Lord, to be a reflection of what you were. A servant and a giver. A servant and a giver. So I was... I was looking at um, some different things. I was doing a word study, a word study on, on the word servant, and I was looking through what the Bible has to say about it. There's, uh, there's a couple of things I want to mention. Um, one is, I would tell you that a great portrait of a servant in the Word of God is found in Genesis chapter number 24. And I'm going to read uh, I'm going to read just verses one through four of Genesis chapter 24. To you in just a moment, but this is a this is a beautiful picture of a servant. You really need to read the entirety of that chapter to to really grasp it. But I, I just want to give you a few things here. Genesis twenty four, verses one through four. The Bible says, "And Abraham was old, and well stricken in age." The Bible just says things so bluntly, doesn't it? <laughs> he was old and well stricken. <laughs> I don't know what it looks like to be well stricken. <laughs> but Lord, help us. He was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Everybody saying all things. Isn't that, a, isn't that powerful? God had blessed him in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, and this man's name was Eleazar. He said to the eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, 
he said, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. This was the way that they would make covenants in their day. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And if you drop down to verse number 9, the Bible says, And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham. Everybody say his master. You have two important words in that scripture, servant and master. He put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning that matter. He swore to him concerning that matter. And then as you begin to study that chapter, I would encourage you, not right now, don't don't read it while I'm teaching tonight, Um, but I would encourage you to read the entirety of that chapter. And I, I would love for you to study how, uh, what Eleazar's view was of his master, Abraham, that would be like unto God. And I want you to study um, how Abraham had lordship over his life. I want you to study how he could be trusted. Uh, with, and that would have been verse 9 that talks about that. Study how he could be trusted with the things that belong to his master, verse number 10. And I don't want to get bogged down here because this is not really what I'm focusing my teaching on tonight. But I I felt so convicted in my spirit today as I was studying. And I said, Lord, can I be trusted with the things that belong to you? Can I be trusted with what you've given to your church? Can I be trusted with it? Am I that kind of a servant? Can I be trusted with your grace? Can I be trusted with your mercy? Can I be trusted with your long suffering? Can I be trusted with temperance? Can I be trusted, God, with with your love? Can I be trusted with your justice? Can I be trusted with the things that you've given to us, Lord? And I I was so convicted as I read that, that I want my life to be a reflection of a true servant. I want to have the spirit of a servant. And I prayed today and I said, God, if there is anything in me Anything in me that would hinder my ability to be a true biblical servant. Remove it. Remove it. If there's anything hindering me, keeping me from from being able to accomplish that, would you just take that out of my life? He was trusted with the things that belonged. The Bible said all that Abraham had was in his hand. Isn't that incredible? He was a man who sought the help of the Lord. And he was a man that was focused on his errand. And you study that man. It's the portrait of a true servant. And that is what I want to be. We're striving to be servants. We want to hear one of these days those beautiful, beautiful, beautiful words. You won't hear anything better than the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful pastor. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful musician, teacher, usher, greeter, prayer warrior. No, it's only going to be, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If we are not servants, we will not be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. So yes, that's sobering. Yes, that should wake us up. 
and looking at this, these are some verses that that came to, that that stood out to me, and I just want to walk through them tonight just a little bit. Matthew chapter number twenty, Matthew twenty verses twenty through twenty eight. Matthew twenty, verses twenty through twenty eight, and these are wonderful. All of the scripture settings I'm going to give you tonight would be wonderful things to go home and study. And if you're not a note taker, I'd recommend that you you become a, somewhat of a note taker, even if it's to grab your phone and put it in your notes or something. Uh, go home and study this. Don't let this be a message that goes in one ear and out the other. Go home and dwell on it. Meditate on the word of the Lord. Meditate on the word of the Lord. Matthew 20, verse 20 says this. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit. The one on, she was the mother of James and John. The one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. And notice how kingdom is spelled in, in this particular instance with a lowercase k. Because she had a view of an earthly kingdom. But when we're talking about the kingdom of God, it's the uppercase k. His kingdom is above all others. Amen. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with a baptism that I am baptized with, they say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. And when the ten heard it, so two of the disciples are kind of standing behind, get the picture. Mom comes up to Jesus. I could see Nina O'Connell doing this. I could see Nina O'Connell doing this. Mom comes up to Jesus, and, and James and John are timidly standing behind her. You know, they're a little bit embarrassed, but they kind of want it to go well, you know. And, and uh, <laughs> she says, Lord... She came worshiping him. And then she says, Lord, I want you to do me a favor. What is that? I want you to grant that these, my two sons, let them sit, one on your right hand, one on your left hand. And Jesus makes his statement, you don't know what you ask. And and the other ten are standing off, and they're watching this transpire. And they're looking, and, and the Bible said that they had great indignation. They were moved with indignation Against the two brethren. Here's something interesting. This just leapt out at me. This is for free. All right. This don't count against my preaching time. But they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Even brothers can get upset at brothers when brothers in the church are trying to push their way to the front. Or sisters. Sistren. Sistern. You might check for that word too. <laughs> I know cisterns in there. Maybe different spelling and meaning. Folks, that was funny. That cracked me up. If you're an English major, you really would have liked that. 
So the ten heard it. They're moved with, moved with indignation against their two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, you know. So he shuts that down. He says, I can't do that for you. And then he sees all this happening. They're frustrated with the ten or frustrated with the two. And, and he calls all of them to him. And he says, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, to, unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. So, we see in this passage of Scripture that servanthood, the spirit of a servant, always begins with a view of humility. The spirit of a servant is always going to begin with a humble spirit. If we're going to be servants of the Most High God, we must be humble. That means there's nothing, there is nothing that we are too good for. There's not one person that we're too good to reach for. I don't care what their color is, what their language is, what their, what their culture is. I don't care if they're from one side of town and you're from another side of town. I don't care if they come from a different socioeconomic background than you come from. There is nobody that we are too good to reach for. Humble ourselves. We've got to make sure that we are not striving to have other people want to bow down at our feet. If, if your view of ministry, and that's what servanthood is likened to in the Bible, is ministry. So when I talk about everybody being called to servanthood, I'm saying everybody's called to ministry. If your view of ministry is people polishing your shoes and carrying your Bible everywhere you go, you've got a wrong view of servanthood ministry. Now, I'm not saying if you go somewhere and you see that happen, that that person is wrong. Let me just say that. Personally, I'd probably be uncomfortable to let somebody carry my Bible for me. Okay? I'd like to carry my own Bible. But, um, I know in different places they do things certain ways and they're trying to instill a sense of servanthood. But if you depend on that, if you have to have that, something's wrong. If, if people have to hang on your every word, something's wrong. If, if it has to be that you're the, you're the most celebrated person in the room, something is wrong. Jesus said, it's not going to be so among you. He said, I know that in this worldly system, we see it as such that people walk in and, and, and they command everything to happen. This is what you will do. I was telling some of our leaders the other night, um, I know that the church can can adopt some principles from the business world on how we do some things, but at the end of the day, this is not a business. 
This is not a corporation. This is, this is the church of the living God. And so if I was, if I was a manager in a, in a company, then I would expect to walk in on Monday morning, and I don't care what kind of weekend they had. I don't care how things went. I don't care who woke up feeling rough that day. I'm going to say, this is your job. Get it done, right? But I, I was telling them, I said, we don't work that way in the kingdom of God. I said, these are volunteers, and, and volunteers can get up and turn around and go. So we don't want to do that, okay? We've got to make sure. He said, it's not going to be so among you. In my kingdom, whosoever will be great, let him be your minister. Whosoever will be chief, let him be your servant. If you aspire for God to use you in great things, you've got to become a servant. And I would say that you will only be elevated to the point that you have subjected yourself to serving others. So if you go, if you go shallow in service, you're going to go shallow in leading. But if you'll go deep in serving, you can go deep in leading and influencing people. And leadership is nothing more than influence. And there are some people that want to have influence, but they'll never have it because they're not willing to go deep in service. And so people don't care what they say. Am I teaching good tonight? 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians 9 verse... Number 19, I'm going to go through 23. For though, this is Paul speaking, he said, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. Paul said, I'm not beholden to anybody. I'm free from all men. Roman, Jew, don't matter. I'm free from all men. But though that's the case, I've made myself a servant unto all of them that I might gain the more. Now, here's the thing about a person who is free that makes himself a servant. That means Paul said, I do this willingly. Nobody makes me do this. Nobody makes me serve. Nobody makes me uh, uh, get involved. This is what I willingly choose to do unto the Jews. Verse 20, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law to them that are without law as without the law being not. He he puts this in parentheses here to say don't he's given his disclaimer. I became as. One without the law to those who were without the law. And then he says, now, I wasn't without law to God. I was still serving the law of God. He said, don't misunderstand me. I didn't go become a heathen. But this is what I did to win them. That I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak. That I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men. That I might by all means save some. Now, I heard Brother Huntley say this years ago, and it's so very powerful, and I want to mention it right now. Brother Huntley said there's a divine equation here. All plus all plus all only equals some. 
So if we become all things to all men so that by all means we can save them, we're only going to get some. So you're not going to get everyone. You're only going to get some. Think how much, think how bad we're going to hurt that equation if we don't become all things to all men. So by all means, we save some. And there are people that have damaged their ability to win folks to God because they refuse to become all things. To, my goodness, I feel like preaching. They refuse to become all things to all men and use all means to save some. They say, if you don't do it my way, then you might as well not have it. And you know what? They won't have it. Oh, God, help me. Help me, God, to give it my all. As we were singing, while I give my all. I want to be all things. Paul said, this is how important it is. It's a divine equation. And he said, verse number 23, And this I do for the gospel's sake. Boy, that's powerful. Paul said, the reason I'm becoming all things to all people and using all means to save some is for the gospel's sake. I want the gospel to have every opportunity that it can to get everywhere that it can so it can save everybody that it can. So Paul became all things to all men. Such a powerful verse. That I might be partaker thereof with you. If It seems to me that Paul is saying that if I don't do this, if he says, I'll do this for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker with, thereof with you, then that seems to me that Paul's saying, if I don't do this for the gospel's sake, I might not be a partaker with you. Could it be? Could it be? Boy, this is going to sound tough. But is it a possibility that we can lose out with God? If we're not willing for the gospel's sake to become all things to all men. And by all means, we might save some. Oh God, that really puts it in perspective, doesn't it? And we fuss about the silly things. Oh, help me God. Help me God. A servant, this is what Paul is saying. A servant always yields his own preferences in order to help as many people as possible gain the kingdom. Can I say that again? A servant always yields his own preferences in order to help as many people as possible gain the kingdom. Because above all else, he wants to see his master's objective realized and not his own as somebody said one time we're all kingdom minded the only question is whose kingdom are we mindful of i want his kingdom to be celebrated i want his will to be realized amen um now with that and, and I want to put this I want to put this next portion with this because this is important with that. It's important to understand Paul was all things to all men so that by all means he might save some. OK, got that. Got that. But let me tell you what that does not mean. 
Paul, Paul is very clear in that passage of Scripture, and I read you his disclaimer. Paul did not water down the truth in order to become all things to all men so that he could by all means save some. Paul's talking about, Paul's talking about um, background and where they came from, and he's talking about method of reaching them. But he's not talking about changing the message with which he would reach them. Okay? Galatians 1. I feel good tonight, don't y'all? Galatians 1. Let's go to verses 8 through 12. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as if that wasn't strong enough, he says in verse 9, next verse, As we said before, so say I now again, If any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For, I, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ. So let me tell you, I've given you two things. Servanthood begins with humility. That was the first one. A servant yields his own preferences. That's the second one for the kingdom. The third one is a servant is loyal to the truth. He does not change the gospel. He still and only is faithful to preaching the truth. And if we're not faithful to the truth, we're no servant of the Lord. But if we would be the servants of God, let me just tell you, this is a very powerful thought right here, and I've got a friend who says it often, and, and the more I, I dwell on it, the, the, the stronger it, it grows in me. Sometimes we get in trouble because we think we can out-mercy God. And we think we can out-grace God. And so we've got a friend or we've got a family member who doesn't live according to the word of God. And so we start trying to make excuses for that individual. Or we lose a cherished family member who, who was not in the faith as we know it. And that hurts. Amen? It hurts. And so then because we hurt, and we don't want to think anything bad could have happened to their eternity. We try to outgrace God. And that's, that's how we've arrived at where we've arrived today. That it don't matter what you do. As long as you believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. And you'll accept Him as such. It's all okay. Don't matter how you live. It doesn't matter if, if, if you're faithful to Him. It doesn't matter if you obey what the Scripture says and let Him be formed in you. That doesn't matter because, because, you know, we've got to make room for all these things. Let me just tell you my thoughts on all that. 
You worry about being a servant of God and let God be God. I hope when I get to heaven, I, I, I sincerely hope when I get to heaven, and if this bothers you, I, I apologize. Well, I don't really. But this bothers you, you'll just have to overlook it. But I hope when I get to heaven, I see people there that I didn't think would be able to make it to heaven. I hope, I hope the Lord was more gracious than my understanding of Scripture. I truly do. So I'm going to let God be God. I'm not putting nobody in hell. He's the judge. He'll put them in hell. I'll preach to them what I believe they need to do to be saved. He'll put them where he wants them to go. And that'll be his business. And I'm not going to argue with him about it. Wayne Huntley preached years ago. I quote him tonight. Save them all and let God sort them out. It's good advice, isn't it? We get in trouble when we start trying to qualify things outside of the Word of God. And so you're not going to outmercy Him. You're not going to outgrace Him. You just let God be God. And you have a fidelity. You be faithful to the truth. As Clinton's talked about, as Jimmy taught Sunday, there is not my truth. There is not your truth. There is only the truth. Well, this is how I see it. I don't care how you see it. I want to know how God sees it. So we've got to be faithful to the truth. That's why I have to do what Paul instructed Timothy. I've got to preach without fear or favor. I can't fear you, but neither can I favor you. I've got to preach it. Don't matter how much of a check you drop in the offering every week. I've got to preach it without fear or favor. Doesn't matter if we're worried that you might Pack up and leave. i got to preach it without fear or favor. Because I won't do any of us any good if I do it according to please man. And Paul said, that's not what I've done. The gospel I have preached to you, it wasn't after man, but it was after the Lord. And so we've got to be faithful. And, I, and I'll very quickly say what we need to be faithful to. We need to be faithful to the absolute oneness of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. If a church doesn't preach that and a church doesn't believe that, that's, that's your first indication that it's not the place for you. Hello? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We've got to be completely faithful to the fact that there is only one God. That in Him, in Jesus Christ, dwelleth all. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We've got to be faithful to that. We've got to be faithful to being born again of water and of the Spirit. That means we go down in waters of baptism. And we don't do it just any way. But we do it in the way we were instructed by Jesus. And it was shown to us by Peter. Jesus told us, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And Peter said, I got the name, and the name is Jesus. So when we put them down, we put them down like everybody did in the book of Acts. We put them down like you go study your history. We put them down like they were putting them down in the early church. History will tell you that the formula was changed of baptism to exclude the name of Jesus. 
And instead, they just went with those titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But the name is the power that is associated with the title. It's all in the name. We've got to be faithful. If we're a servant of God, we're going to be loyal to His truth. Amen? We've got to be loyal to the doctrine of holiness and living a life to please the Lord. We've got to be faithful to that. We've got to give that everything we have. We don't need to look for ways we can cut corners. But we need to look for ways we can draw closer. Matter of fact, I've had something burning on me lately that said, is, that, that, that wanted to ask everybody in this church, is there a place in your life that you feel somewhat of a conviction that you believe you could give God more to Him than you currently are? Help me, Lord, to give to you my best, not to look for excuses, not to find a reason I can't, but to look for every opportunity to be a witness and give you my best. We've got to be loyal to the truth. Amen. Let me go now to Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8. Y'all, I'm going to finish early tonight in the name of Jesus. I declare it and decree it. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Some of y'all don't have any faith. I'm going to dismiss here in a minute. I'm going to dismiss all the folks with faith and the rest of y'all can stay. (laughs) Now who has faith? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Philippians 2 and 3. Let nothing be done. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If we're going to be a servant. We must take on the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ does nothing. Everybody say nothing. It does absolutely nothing through strife. It does absolutely nothing through vain glory. But rather it embraces lowliness of mind. That doesn't mean having a low view of yourself. That means esteeming your brother. In saying, I don't consider myself to be the most important person in the room. I consider the people I get to serve as the most important people in the room. That's not saying you don't have pride. That's not saying you don't have dignity. It's saying you have such a view that you want to be as Jesus. And you want to esteem others better than yourselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. That's, he said, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, and I, if I was to go on, it said, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Yet he uh, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus said, I'm going to take on the form of a servant. Make myself of no reputation. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to cause everybody to look up at me as some superstar. I want to serve them. That's why the Lord came. To serve and to give. Let this mind be in you. Oh God, let that mind be in me. Because I'll be honest with you, my mind is typically looking for how can I do something that will cause me to be esteemed better in other people's eyes. What can I do that will, that will cause my reputation to, to, to be strengthened? I'm not talking about in just a vain way. I'm not talking about being prideful. I'm just saying what can I do that will allow my reputation to be strengthened in the eyes of people? And yet the Lord said, I made myself as a servant. And I wasn't worried about how everybody else saw me. I was worried about making sure I did the will of the Father. Let that mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then finally, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 through 26. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ. Now I'm going to tell you, this is some heavy, this is some heavy word right here. This would be a great passage to go really dig into. Hear this. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ, everyone that claims the name of Christ on their life, let them depart from iniquity. Well, I've done that. I don't have big sin in my life. I don't, I don't, I don't do all this crazy stuff. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a thief. I'm not a liar. How's your spirit? Because iniquity always begins in the spirit. How's your spirit? But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth. There are some to honor, and there are some to dishonor. If a man therefore, therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. But if our spirit within is not right, we're not we're not worth, worthy of holding nothing of His. Let my spirit be right. I want to be meat for the Master's use. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity or love, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. Don't get caught up in the things that aren't even, they don't even matter in the scheme of the kingdom of God. Don't get caught up in that. In the servant of the Lord, there's that word again, must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. There are people who think they are named by the name of Christ, but they are really in the snare of Satan. Paul tells us. They're really in the snare of Satan. They got caught up into some stuff. 
And he said, listen to me, servant of the Lord. You must not strive. Don't push to cause an issue. Don't push to have ought against your brother. Don't push to create problems where there shouldn't be problems. Don't strive. However, be gentle unto all men. Be gentle unto all men. What would happen if the entirety of the body of Christ would be gentle with each other? What if I handled you like I want to handle my kids when they've messed up? Yes, there may have to be correction and instruction, but, but, what, if, but what if I did it with love and gentleness? And what if when you had a frustration with a brother or sister, you approached that and you dealt with that with love and gentleness? What if we weren't passive-aggressive? What if we weren't? What if we weren't? Uh, what if we weren't arbor, harboring bitterness? Let me just tell you right now: we better be careful because the internet has made it so easy to be passive aggressive. I said that and I felt something, so I'm going to I'm going to hit on that. Am I right? We say things we never say to someone's face, but we hide behind a screen. God, help me be gentle. I don't want to treat somebody. I don't want to say something through a text that I wouldn't say to their face with gentleness and love. I don't want to say it through a message or a post or anything. I want to to be gentle. I want to be peaceable. I don't want to strive. I want to be the servant of the Lord. And I'm teaching tonight about, uh, about the Spirit of a servant. Lord help us. Let's just lift our hands right now. Could we lift our voices together? Lord help us. To have the spirit. Of a servant. Not the spirit of one who wants to be chief. Not the spirit of the one who wants to be in charge. No, God, let me have the spirit of a servant. Lord, let me do these things without looking for any remuneration, without looking for any any celebration. I don't do it for that, God. I do it because I want to serve you and your kingdom. Help us to have the spirit of a servant. With my brothers and sisters, I want to have the spirit of a servant. You ministry leaders I talk to, those in the ministry I work with, I want to have the spirit of a servant. In my marriage, I want to have the spirit of a servant. With my children, I want to have the spirit of a servant. Wherever it is, whatever it is. At my job, I want to have the spirit of a servant. Oh God, give that to me.